everybody, and welcome to the Busted Business Bureau. This is season two, episode two. I am delighted to be here. This is the first episode that I'm recording with the full knowledge that I'm fucking famous on TikTok now. Uh, so I have changed. <laughs> I am now a celebrity, and I will be carrying myself as such. On the podcast today, I have a singer-songwriter from Chicago <laughs> whose words are fueled by narcotics and mommy issues. <laughs> <laughs> It is my good friend, my literal brother. It is Matt McLean. Hi, how's it going? It's so good to have you on the podcast. It's good to be here. I also, I also like that uh, you know you're famous now because you know I've got my first fan art like a month ago, so I don't like hanging out with non-famous people either. You did have fan art a month ago. I did that have was fan crazy. Art. So and people don't understand me anymore. So I know, isn't it so hard being at the top? Kind of is. <laughs> um, go listen to Matt's music on Spotify, or I assume it's on other streaming platforms. Uh, yeah, wherever. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, if you <clears> like <throat> sad white guy music or sad white girl music or <laughs> sad white non-binary music, <laughs> yeah, check out Matt McLean on Spotify. That's really good. All right. Uh, so, Matt, when you were in elementary school, did you ever do D.A.R.E.? Oh, I fucking love I remember. I remember when they put the glasses on and they're like, this is what it's like being drunk. And I was like, this is going to be a hoot and a half. <laughs> so you did D.A.R.E. to resist drugs and violence. And how did that turn out for you? I dared to... What'd be the opposite of... Like, I, I want to say dared to jump into drugs and violence, but that doesn't start with an R. <laughs> Uh, I, that is going to be today's episode. We're going to talk about dare. Uh, if, say it. Oh, no, I mean, you know, drugs are one of my favorite subjects. Also, I was almost arrested by my, uh, dare officer. What? Yeah, he, uh, well, not almost arrested. He came and, like, busted up a party I was throwing, and he was like, you guys got to keep it down. Ah. And I was like, it's fucking, it's, it's, I think his name was, like, Officer Arnold or something like that. How old were you? I was 20. Did he remember you? No. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Wow. The the strings that tie us all. Yeah. Uh, if you <clears throat> went to school at any point between like the 80s and early aughts, you more than likely participated in a D.A.R.E. program. Uh, it stands for Drug Abuse Resistance Education. That is what D.A.R.E. stands for. And let's discuss. First and foremost, the origin of D.A.R.E. to me is fucking crazy. Do you know anything about it? Um, the origin? I don't think so, no. Hell yes. So D.A.R.E. sprung from the mind of ex-LAPD chief Daryl Gates. Do you know who that is? No. Oh, my God. If you're not from L.A. or particularly versed in, like, police history, fucking strap in. Christine is shocked over there. This guy is worthy of, like, hours and hours of podcasting on what a piece of shit he is. (laughs) (laughs) So let's do a little history on Really? The LAPD? Yeah, the chief of the LAPD started D.A.R.E., uh, Daryl F. Gates was born in Glendale, California in 1926. He was actually arrested in his teenage years for punching a police officer, which is sick. <laughs> but then he served in the Navy. Blah. And when he returned, his, he and his first wife were expecting their kid, and a friend suggested that he like joined the LAPD just as a career thing. And he was mm-hmm. like, all right. So early in his career, he was a driver for police chief William H. Parker. And I'm sorry to peel back the onion even more, but I'm going to talk about William H. Parker for a couple seconds because they're like besties, these two. Um, William H. Parker's family migrated to Los Angeles, California in 1922 for better opportunities when the city was advertised as the white spot of America. They wanted to go where there were only white people. Okay, that's what I thought you were going to... I thought that's what you meant at first. I was like, I needed clarification. Parker once said on television, quote, it is estimated that by 1970, 45% of the metropolitan area of Los Angeles will be Negro. If you want any protection for your home and family, you're going to have to get in and support a strong police department. If you don't, come 1970, God help you. He said that on TV. It's Tucker Carlson 
<laughs> all the way back then. It's he <clears throat> kept his job for years and years after that and yeah. has said a variety of other just horrific things, like expressed beliefs about groups of people. I assume and, that he would get promotions after those words. I mean, he's he's the damn chief of the LAPD, so yeah. he he is as high as you can get for him. Uh, he. Uh, I don't want to belabor the point of all the terrible things he's said, even though I've written them all down. But I'm like, <laughs> I feel gross reading them, so you can look it up. <laughs> Anyways, Parker's good friend and personal driver, Daryl Gates, was the chief of the LAPD from 1972 to 1992. Now, again, if you're versed in LA history, you might be aware that 1992 was the Rodney King riots. You're familiar? Yep. Yeah. Uh, so he handled that so badly that he resigned <laughs> shortly thereafter. That was loud. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Gates is also co-created, uh, co-cre- co-credited with the creation of SWAT. Like he just started SWAT teams. Really? Yeah. Like SWAT was invented. He loves police and he loves the military and he like invented SWAT teams. <laughs> He's like, you know what? The police need more guns, more everything, and uh, let's do it in LA. Ten years prior to his resignation in 1992, Daryl Gates had this to say about chokeholds, like police using chokeholds on, I don't know, people. He wrote, quote, or he said, quote, blacks might be more likely to die from chokeholds because their arteries do not open as fast as they do in normal people. Oh, Jesus. And he again kept his job for ten years after that, but that same year he founded D.A.R.E. And by... (laughs) (laughs) And by 1983, he had 10 officers teaching 8,000 students around L.A. schools. It started as an L.A.-specific operation, uh, which is pretty freaking noodles. Okay. (laughs) And before we get to D.A.R.E., so quickly, I need to tell you, in 1994, two years after he was done being the chief of the Los Angeles Police Department, he authored a video game, Police Quest 4 Open Season. Game, much like his career. Open season? Open season is what the game is called. <laughs> That's bringing like very specific images into my mind right mm-hmm. now. And the game, much like his career, is riddled with uh, just horrible like instances of racism, sexism, transphobia, everything you can imagine. <laughs> I will probably put in an audio clip uh, like in post or whatever, but there's one part where a cop like goes up to somebody and you click like to have them tell you something the cop is like can I ask you some questions about last night and the guy goes "Ooh, darling ask away I just love gossip <laughs> wait who's the person who loves gossip like some random like gay dude on the street <laughs> it's so good and the game is just like riddled with that top to bottom it's so funny <laughs> anyways I just I needed to mention that because um, I'll be a good way to start conversations from here on out yeah I'd be like please quest for open season <laughs> I'm probably I I'm going back and forth of whether or not I should post this on like TikTok or Instagram or whatever because I don't want to just like post offensive content. Yeah. <laughs> but it's I beg of you to look it up because it's like this man was still well respected after this video game came out and like after his career and after everything and this guy just fucking sucks. So anyways, he starts Dare because he had uh, started all these operations in the LA area where he would basically do 21 Jump Street. Like he would send undercover officers into schools and have them like buy drugs from kids. That's a real thing. It was a real thing, yeah. And like, like these, I mean, yeah, I guess they have to use people who are officers who are above 18 years old. That's, yep. that's. And it was wildly successful in that they got a lot of drugs. <laughs> they were able to purchase a lot of drugs in the LA I, area. You know, I sold a bit of drugs in high school. I think I would have been like, that guy doesn't look like. 
one yeah. of the 200 kids I got. I mean, it's LA. Maybe there's more kids, I guess. I don't know. But I'd be like, that guy's got a full beard. Were you a drug dealer in high school or were you a... I just sold sometimes. Mm, okay. So yeah. you, weren't, you weren't the guy mm, who mm. sold drugs. Okay. Not at all. You, no. you did them, though. <laughs> yeah. You're just doing them. Uh, and he is so frustrated with how many drugs his officers are allowed to are allowed are able to acquire from schools that he goes to the LA school board and is like we need some sort of education program for drugs. And so they approve it in theory, you know, who doesn't mm-hmm. love education? That's fine. <laughs> per the LA Times, Daryl Gates um had uh, oh wait, sorry. <laughs> I can't read. That's what I'm doing. Oh. <laughs> They agreed to do a pilot education program for 5th and 6th graders, and they enlisted the help of Dr. Ruth Rich, a woman who I can find virtually no information about. (laughs) She's a health educator who writes the program based on stuff that she's read. What comes of it is ultimately a 17-week program with hour-long lectures once a week from a uniformed working police officer. Daryl Gates was insistent that it was a uniformed police officer. Did you also have to go to Dare? I did. Was your police officer uniformed? Yes. I believe mine was too. Yeah. yeah. That's the whole bit of the program is that it's a uniformed man who has been, has seen some things. That's kind of the vibe that they're going for. When criticized about the choice as doctors, counselors, or teachers might have been a better uh, soup to educate children, Dr. Ruth Rich had this to say, quote, there's a gap between the streets and the classroom. Police officers are believable on the subject. When it comes to drugs, they're more credible than a teacher. I don't, I mean... How, how old were you when you did Dare? I think I was like in fifth grade. It's it's for fifth and sixth graders. I, okay, I don't think I did it in sixth grade, but I, I was. I mean, I mean, everyone's immature. I didn't care. <laughs> I didn't care at all. <laughs> I didn't have more respect for any. Like, no. Do, do you remember anything about your Dare experience? Like, I remember like hearing they put on, besides like the thing I said earlier about the drunk goggles, which I loved. <laughs> um, I was like, I'm going to make this a main part of my high school life. Um, no, I, uh, I, I remember there was like a documentary they put on and there were like this one guy took, it was like, he took like a little bit of shrooms or took one hit of weed. And then he started hallucinating that there was gremlins chasing him down the street. And he took a knife and like started like stabbing himself. <gasps> you were watching that in fifth grade. So like, I don't think I made this up. This this sounds like a very real memory to me, but it's also been a while. But like, <laughs> and like his parents were like, "Yeah, he took drugs and now he died because he stabbed himself to death." And I remember being like, "I don't believe that." <laughs> and I'm gonna find out for myself. This a skeptic, a, a burgeoning skeptic, would emerge from that fifth grade classroom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is certainly the vibe of what they're going for. Uh, they. <laughs> this is all also the uh, the genesis of D.A.R.E. is happening during Nancy Reagan's Just Say No campaign. It's in the 80s. I will not belabor the point about history or how we got to the war on drugs, but dis- despite my feminine urge to do so, I will not do it. <laughs> Nixon hating anyone who's not white. <laughs> <laughs> but D.A.R.E.'s curriculum really captures the zeitgeist of the 80s. The program is childish, but overly violent and exploitative, and ultimately uh, uninformative and useless. <laughs> <laughs> I say that, but what was actually in the program? What were the 5,000 police officers doing in the school that first year? Here's some newspaper clippings from around that time. Uh, here comes one from Dare Officer Barry Richard, who was working in Lafayette, Indiana. Quote, at Lafayette Christian School on a recent Tuesday, he takes his place at the front of the room and begins the session by simply interacting with the students. A student tells him about her new glasses. Another tells him about the quartet he's in. Now it's Richard's turn, the officer. He holds up two newspaper articles cut out that morning. One about a six-year-old shot and killed in a car. 
idea that it's like it's, it, the way it's presented. Maybe I heard this wrong because I'm I'm frazzled and I'm sleep deprived. But it sounds like they're like there's like a show and tell type thing, and two yeah. people are like, I'm having a fun time. This one guy's like, like Someone fucking died. death. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. They were like, "Ah, you know, I'm, I do singing. I really like my singing. And he's like, someone died because of drugs, which is not a normal way to start a conversation. They, these articles will emphasize again and again that they have a relationship with the students. There's no relationship building there. That's just a bizarre I, way to interact the with reason, a human. The only reason why I remembered my dare officer's name is because someone who was at the party with me pointed it out. I wouldn't have remembered the guy. Ah. I remember literally only those two memories. I remember nothing else. I just remember was like I just remember being like I don't have to do like math or whatever right now I'm not gonna take this seriously <laughs> uh, Richard defines drugs for the students as quote any substance other than food that can affect the way your mind and body work that's extreme extremely specific but also inclusive of too many things like i guess medicine is drugs but it does also include medicine (laughs) (laughs) or like coffee i mean yeah i guess coffee is a drug you know what maybe maybe i'm proving his point right now by failing to come up with examples well the thing is like i was being ironic when i said that was specific but now i'm just like i can't think of anything right now now i'm like now i feel kind of like a fool (laughs) yeah because i was gonna say coffee i'm like well coffee technically is is a drug yeah yeah hmm but I guess, okay, what I would say is any food um, affects the way your mind and body work because when you eat, your body literally changes. And then... <laughs> I was about to say something stupid. My mind's like, oh, this is a good food. It's changed my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't be allowed to talk. Yeah, your ticket on this podcast is expiring very soon. <laughs> uh, he talks about cocaine, crack, and sniffing glue. Students giggle when he tells them that nobody wants to have a boyfriend or girlfriend who has smoker's breath. They cringe when he talks about addicts injecting themselves with cocaine or how sometimes long-term smokers start to get hair on their tongues. Okay. So anyway, that's Lafayette, Indiana. Uh, Let's go to Florida, where we have Dare Officer Yvonne Mapps. Quote, Mapps and her her husband, John, are a dedicated team devoted to helping juvenile offenders preventing crime wherever possible. John is a supervisor sergeant in charge of a juvenile boot camp in Brandon, Florida, for juveniles who have been committed for 18 months. John also works with Yvonne, the officer going with her to schools and speaking to the students. Quote, I can give the perspective of what it's like to be inside, he says. This is some random man. (laughs) Yvonne has brought with her to school to just scare them about what it's like to be inside the juvenile system. (laughs) And I think I'm also getting to the point that none of this, while it is a standard curriculum, the way it's implemented is very different. Mm -hmm. And so you get wildly different experiences from school to school all across the country. So I'm... I'm actually thinking right now, so I had the two memories I had with Dare, Mm -hmm. and then you were talking about, like, how it could be better if it was, like, a teacher or something like that, Mm -hmm. right? I do remember... That's okay. I do remember uh, one... God, I have the worst fucking memory. Um, (laughs) And you're doing great recalling experiences on this podcast. Thank you. (laughs) Um, I do only remember one other educational experience when it comes to drugs, and it was was a gym teacher. (laughs) 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 Okay. (laughs) It was actually way worse than the Dare Dare officers. It was... um, Oh, God, what was it? He, he told us, all drugs come from Mexico. Oh, God. Yes. Or at least all weed comes from Mexico. Oh, weed all comes from Mexico. And he said, uh, and all drug dealers are, um, are addicts. And so they're going to take a little bit off the top. And what do they do to replace it? Because everyone's going to, you know, weigh. Uh-huh. They, uh, he's like, weed tastes and smells exactly like dried human defecation. 
No. And he's like, yep, so they just, they poop, they put it in a bag, they leave it out for a week, they put it in the weed, they drive it over the border, it gets to Texas, they do the same thing. By the time it gets to Cleveland, Ohio, <laughs> what are you smoking? You're smoking dried poop. <laughs> I want to live in that man's imagination. <laughs> So honestly, from all of my drug, like the um, drug educational experience, I learned both from Dare and from like teach. I learned fucking nothing. <laughs> it seems like it. <laughs> Have you ever recalled that story to somebody else? You went, did you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I think about that all the time. <laughs> I literally told that story on Friday night. <laughs> I mean, did you ever? You never believed it. I assume. Oh at any no, point? I never believed. I that. see. No, I, uh, but that that was when I was in ninth grade, and I was like, I was a little bit more mm, wiser by that. That is like, too old to be telling people that weed is just dried human feces. <laughs> I, I do want to live in that gym teacher's mind. I wonder mm-hmm. what else he believes about the world. <laughs> oh, God, I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, the why wouldn't he say that about coffee? Never mind. <laughs> the, the Anderson Police Department, this is a different, I don't know, place, sponsored a dare dance where kids could go and dance with other drug-free kids, which was also part of a fundraising event. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about Hamilton, Montana. This is a positive piece about D.A.R.E., mind you. Quote, a D.A.R.E. officer often stands out among his peers. This is like defending D.A.R.E. amidst criticism. Mm -hmm. Quote, to qualify to teach D.A.R.E., officers must complete an intense two-week training program (laughs) (laughs) at Montana Law Enforcement Academy. Not all make it through the training. (laughs) Is that an actual, the the not all people, that was not a bit, that's in the quote. No, that's in the quote. (laughs) That was in this positive article. Who doesn't make it? (laughs) An intense two weeks. Probably the gym teacher probably probably didn't make it. That gym teacher definitely auditioned and did not make it. (laughs) But uh, in Marshall, Texas, Ray Palmer gives us an insight into the subject matter. Quote, each week takes a different subject uh, as its focus. These subjects include, quote, understanding the effects of mind-altering drugs, considering consequences, changing beliefs about drug use, learning resistance techniques, ways to say no, building self-esteem, learning assertiveness, a response style, managing stress, reducing violence, combating media influences on drug drug use and violence, making decisions about risky behaviors, saying yes to positive alternatives, having positive role models, resisting gang and group violence, taking a stand. When has public schools ever cared about raising self-esteem? Well, I guess now. Part of the curriculum, actually, that's really important to dare is raising your self-esteem because they draw explicit links between low self-esteem and drug usage. Nothing about socioeconomic factors, nothing about what your parents might have to do with it, Mm -hmm. nothing about uh, any sort of factors that would lead somebody, like childhood trauma, that's a really big indicator of who's going to go into drugs and not. Yeah. Uh, It's not 100%, obviously, but you know. So none of that is taken into account. They (laughs) attribute almost all of it to peer pressure and low self-esteem. You would only say yes to drugs because your friend asks you and you want to fit in and you want to feel cool. That's like the core tenet, as read on the damn list I just gave you, of the program, which fails in a lot of ways. (laughs) And I can't imagine being in L.A. in the time that they were starting this D.A.R.E. program and being like, this is the problem. (laughs) Is all you kids have low (laughs) self-esteem. There's literally no other factor. Uh, D.A.R.E. officer, oh, I'm sorry, D.A.R.E. officer Ray Palmer, he's not the one who wrote the article. That was just, uh, I have a different quote from him. Uh, He says, quote, if it weren't for the D.A.R.E. program, some of these kids would have never been exposed to the things we're teaching them, even some Something like self-esteem. Wait, what? I think it's hilarious because it's like, no, kids know what self-esteem is. <laughs> Even if they don't have a name for it, they know, know what self It's like being like they would never have been exposed to happiness. Like, well, they may not have the word happiness, but they know what they it feels like. They do know what it is. 
He continues, quote, there are some children I teach that the only place they learn how to feel good about themselves is right here in the classroom, which is a huge claim. <laughs> a lot of these kids have a very tough home life. They go home and they see mom and dad smoking crack. Or all they do is get yelled at and told that they are useless. And it's hard to feel good about yourself in that kind of environment. And this is me talking now. I understand what he's saying. That is tough to have a hard home life. But I think raising a kid's self-esteem is not. (laughs) There's other issues going on there that that is not necessarily combating. And what I said before, this is a 17-week-long lecture series. It's tough to learn self-esteem by someone telling you to have self-esteem. Yeah. Like, there's no activities. There's no community building. There's no, I I don't know, other work that you're doing. You're literally, like, filling out a workbook and watching a movie and being told by a uniformed narc (laughs) that you should feel good about yourself and say no to crack. I actually kind of think I kind of remember that. Yeah. 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 I never looked back critically on that. But, yeah, have good self-esteem. Like, well... No one ever told you how, actually. Yeah. What? Just say no. You have the the right to say no is a big thing that they emphasized, which mm-hmm. does imply that you have the right to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> What's also notable here uh, is that there's no theory of learning that coincides with just being lectured at being effective. No studies have ever said that that's true. Even like, first of all, I don't think learning styles are a thing. I know that that's like a main... Really? Yeah, no, I don't believe in learning styles. I know, like, everyone's like, oh, this learning... I don't know. I've never I, even cared to look mine up. It's at best preferences. It's not actually a... The fact that so many educators are leaning on it is trendy. It's not necessarily evidence-based. But mm-hmm. even among learning styles, even if you did subscribe to that belief, lecturing is not a learning style. <laughs> Nobody learns from being lectured at. Anyways, yeah, did you ever watch the D.A.R.E. cartoons? <laughs> never. I don't think I've ever heard oh, of them. Oh, my God. I, wa- I watched an entire D.A.R.E. cartoon this morning. It was like 13 minutes long. It was starring um, Pamela Adlon, who is Bobby Hill from King of the Hill. <laughs> <laughs> she was booked and blessed before King of the Hill. Uh, she plays a boy who is supposed to be East Asian, I believe, uh, based on his grandfather's accent and the fact that a giant gong noise plays after his grandfather talks. Uh, oh, so this, this has aged very well, then. It's aged very well. He gets... Uh, the most backstory in this 13-minute clip. And his grandfather goes, so I don't understand this, and I think this is racism, but I genuinely have no idea what it's supposed to reference. Quote, don't trade your school lunch for a crow again. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. But then the gong noise plays, and then the scene scene transitions. (laughs) That's, like, it leaves a disgusting taste in your mouth, but you don't really know. I, I don't know enough about, like, race like i don't know enough about stereotypes to i assume it would be that yeah but i don't know enough about it to be like that's definitely one yeah yeah so anyways four different kids of different genders and ethnicities go through the land of choices in this cartoon which is operated by a literal crack addicted teenager trying to make money off vulnerable tweens by like dressing up and pretending that drugs are awesome each of them has a has written a dare report the night before so they each have specialized knowledge on the drugs that this kid is trying to offer them Mm -hmm. so he tries to offer them a cigarette and the one kid is like actually that'll turn your lungs black (laughs) <laughs> what a fucking virgin nerd their, <laughs> their knowledge really is just like alcohol may seem glamorous but it actually makes you look really stupid hospitals are overrun by people who like alcohol has ruined their lives and that is the cartoon which is not informative it was beautifully made though it was a gorgeous animation mm-hmm. and like the team clearly had fun making it <laughs> but that being 
another passive way of learning, like a cartoon that's supposed to be fun, does not reflect the actual reality of drugs or alcohol. Mm -hmm. And the fact that none of it is reflective of reality is part of why it is proven time and time again to be non-effective, which we'll talk about, obviously. But my take on this so far, which I would love to hear your take on this so far, what you're thinking. How's it going? Um, Let me hear your take first. Okay, This combination of self-esteem and drug usage... um, again connects drug usage to a lack of confidence or character which is not like a reality that we face oftentimes drug usage is a result of many factors that cannot be solved by a single program but this program does not even attempt to solve one of them (laughs) the bizarre mix of infantilizing the students but making drugs seem like they're like the scariest thing in the world doesn't work because a lot of kids are exposed to drugs earlier than sixth grade like they see their parents having a drink or like someone's like their teacher smoking outside or whatever i I remember so I was obsessed with the idea of doing drugs since I was like eight or not. Like, why? I was that before Dare. I, I it was if it was eight, eight or nine. That would have been before Dare. You would have been in third grade. Yeah, I was always like into rock bands that did drugs. I was I was always into authors that did drugs. Um, like hmm. even at a really young age, and like. Like I, I I saw my dad get drunk all the time and I was like, he was having like a hoot and a half. And mm. I, like I was no, I like I remember at a very young age, I was like. I want drugs to be a part of my life. I think mm. I don't think Dare had any <laughs> consequence on anything. I think because you'd already observed the reality that like your dad was alive and well and he wasn't he didn't turn green and then <laughs> shrivel and up and die. I would like read things about like I like John Lennon like you know his like obviously not a great guy but you know mm. his like crazy antics or whatever but, like I'd be like I fucking want to do that type of shit. That, mm. That's what inspired me the most. And like also like yeah like we're talking like. I mean, I was I had like a speech impediment growing up. I moved like around schools, like so I was like a shy, low esteem, like low self esteem. But like, none of those programs helped out with any of that stuff either. Mm. Or anything, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're saying you didn't feel confident because a man in a lion costume told you to smile? <laughs> I remember. The- <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying that didn't work? <laughs> I all, I'm not gonna say that did or didn't work. All I would say is I remember the first time I tried to do drugs, which was me trying to snort. Uh, sniff Elmer's glue. <laughs> oh, really? I was like in sixth grade. It was because, uh, uh, be, uh, what was it? I just felt, you know. I Were just, you in art class? No, I went home and I was like, there's Elmer's glue. And I was just, I was just like, at, I was like at a new school and I was mm-hmm. like feeling super angsty. And I was like, none of these kids get me type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it didn't get high because uh, it was <laughs> Elmer's glue. It was a brave try. It was a good attempt. I was. I remember one time, like when I was in like in fifth grade, I took like a shit ton of Advil. I was like <laughs> oh, really no. hell bent on doing drugs before I even knew what drugs were. That's crazy. And Dare did not. Did I smoked grass, like literal grass, once. Uh, <laughs> I was not a smart kid. <laughs> God. I love. That There's movie. also a reason why I'm sober now. <laughs> Oh, I'm gonna have to try smoking some regular grass. <laughs> I put it. I I found like, what? what I, I found like a stick that had like like a hole in it, and I just. <laughs> <laughs> and then the first time, not the first time I smoked weed, but the first time I had weed by myself, like I still like I always had people like roll joints for me uh-huh. before because I, I hung out with older kids. Oh, clearly we're good at it too. <laughs> <laughs> trying to smoke out of a stick. I, I, I didn't know how to roll a joint, but like I had to get rid of this weed by the, before the end of the day. Mm. And so I just rolled it up with computer paper. <laughs> <laughs> the many lives you have I learned. was really bad at doing drugs when I started. 
<laughs> Clearly, Jay didn't help. <laughs> didn't help you learn how to do the damn drugs. <laughs> uh, so the anthropomorphic uh, representation. Oh my god, the the weed character in the cartoon. She mm-hmm. was serving. <laughs> and she clearly didn't help you how to roll, <laughs> learn how to roll a joint. Anyways, Derek gets huge because of the Drug Free Schools and Communities Act of 1986, uh, passed in the height of the war on drugs. Evidence-based public education was not trendy at this time. <laughs> think HIV AIDS. Think satanic panic. Think anything stupid your parents have ever said and then followed it up with agree to disagree. Like, <laughs> uh, public evidence-based education, not cool. So this act, the uh, Drug-Free Schools and Communities Act, becomes like an open checkbook for schools because it stipulates that they need to make the school a drug-free environment any means possible. So that means like safe passage from school to your house. So that way like you don't get offered drugs on the street meaning if a school gets this grant they can pay for more bus drivers mm-hmm. or they can get a better cafeteria or like better seats so schools are obsessed with dare's relationship with the government because it means they already chronically underfunded can get some sort of money to oh. do are you understanding where i'm going yeah. with this yeah yeah so that's why dare gets so so massive it's in like 75 percent of school districts wait you said before height. it was between like 80s and the aughts it's it's still it's still around. It's still going on. It has a major downfall, but it was okay. it was huge back then, like a behemoth. It was everywhere. It also appears in the background of Daryl Gates's video game. He puts it like his, I mean, I say like he developed it. He didn't, but it's in the background of like a ton of shots. Yeah, <laughs> which doesn't matter to what I was talking about. I just remembered it and I wanted to tell you <laughs> because I'm very boring and I only have three facts to say at once. <laughs> Anyways. You can get, it's again, like an open checkbook for schools. It's a lot of money that's allocated to Mm. public schools to do D.A.R.E. stuff. By 1999, it's like a $230 million program per the Village Voice. The first Bush administration had given it a ton of money. Senator Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. put D.A.R.E. by name in his 1994 crime bill. Uh, Of course. Of course he did. And it blows the fuck up. Despite, and I guess not despite, because it's vibes-based. It's, you know, if you just say no to drugs, then you will. <laughs> God, I like I like the notion, like using Gen Z language. Like if you think about it, this country has been <clears throat> has been governing off of vibes for so fucking long. <laughs> <laughs> and you're right. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, both red scares. Mm-hmm. Vibes. Vibes. <laughs> Red Scare was not the vibe. (laughs) (laughs) Another problem with uniformed officers arises uh, in the, I don't know, 90s, late 90s. One of the first lessons found in D.A.R.E. teaching materials stresses the three R's, recognize, resist, and report. The official D.A.R.E. officer's guide for grades K through 4 contains a worksheet that instructs children to circle the names of people you could tell if a friend finds some pills. The police are listed along with mom or dad, teacher or friend. The next exercise instructs children to check the boxes for whom they should inform if they're asked to keep a secret. Police are also listed as an option. Uh, This is from the Washington Post, James Bovard in 1994, quote, Roberta Silverman, a spokeswoman for a national D.A.R.E. headquarters in Los Angeles, rejects the idea that D.A.R.E. teaches or encourages informing because kids start (laughs) ratting out their parents who like drink or smoke weed. Yeah, smoke weed. (laughs) Even when they drink, I guess guess D.A.R.E.'s teaching them not to drink. Not to drink, yeah. They would report that. And because there's a uniformed officer, they don't treat the officer like a teacher. They treat it like a cop because they're in fucking uniform and they're talking about all their time on the streets and like watching kids get shot you know yeah so 
Um, Roberta Silverman rejects the idea that D.A.R.E. teachers are encouraged as informing, even though it absolutely was. She says, quote, when students begin the D.A.R.E. program, they are specifically advised not to talk about their parents or their friends. We are very clear that when D.A.R.E. instructors are in the classroom, they're teachers, not law enforcement officers, which becomes the opposite of so, true. <laughs> and so the thing is, they present themselves as teachers. And then let's say if someone like rats out their friends, like mm-hmm. like have has good intentions being like, I heard bad things about this drug. I don't want then the kid gets arrested that instead of being dealt with by like an actual teacher. Mm-hmm. There's no conversation. And I would assume this police officer is like a mandated reporter, you know, like yeah. they would probably have to report something like that. Especially if it, there are like several news articles where it's like this kid's parents got busted for weed because this kid like told the dare officer. I, I get, if I had a kid that did that, I'd be like, I, I don't need kids anymore. <laughs> if my kid betrayed me like that. Yeah. <laughs> It would be ancient Grecian, the amount of banishment that kid would receive. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I would say a business with a proprietary product, in this case, drug education in a time when drug usage was, I guess, a national concern. uh, This is on the Busted Business Bureau for a reason. And it's not necessarily because it was an uninformed program to start. It's because when they found out they were uninformed, they just kept blasting anyway. (laughs) 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 To me, that's what's busted about it. (laughs) Vibes, baby. Just vibes. Dare has received its open checkbooks to do nonsense in the 80s and by its peak in the 90s again it was in like 75 percent of school districts millions of kids have been through the dare program which obviously prompted outside bodies to want to study its efficacy and i feel like you obviously know where i'm going with this and you're just like a walking talking example i'm a walking talking example that dare doesn't work <laughs> we both have done a lot of drugs and alcohol <laughs> as you can imagine uh, again not very effective i don't want to hang on it for too long because i don't want to just like sit here and read s- studies to you but uh, the Justice Department sponsored study by the, by the Research Triangle. Oh, I can read. The Justice <laughs> Department sponsored study by the Research Triangle Institute concluded that Dare has quote limited to essentially non-existent effect on drug use. And this was a meta study of like all the small studies that have been done in almost every major city. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in this meta study, they were like literally none of these studies have found any positive effects. <laughs> of Dare. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, like if someone wanted to stop me from doing drugs. I don't want to blame it on my parents, but here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. My like, like, I don't want to. Th- I'm not. I'm not going to go into my parents' personal life, but for their own reasons, they're like, you can't be doing drugs ever, and mm-hmm. we're going to bring the hammer down. Absence only, like, very punitive. Yeah, and like, I think, like, you know, if like they, I think if it came from my parents instead of like them making it a forbidden fruit and yeah. everything, and like also like very midwestern, like. Uh, not addressing problems type of thing. Yeah. Um, it's the same way with sex education where it's like, it's bad, don't do it ever. Period, end of story. I got an, a healthy sex education from my parents. You did? I, my parents told me what a blowjob was when I was in fourth grade. Okay, I love that for you. Um, and then they're just like, uh, yeah, I forget you're doing drugs. Uh, you're kind of fucked. Um, That's crazy. Yeah, and then it turns out my mom fucking loved doing drugs when she was a kid. What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) And time and time again, people find that sex education programs are better and more effective when they're comprehensive. And the same, there's not necessarily a national program, especially as big as D.A.R.E., that can replicate similar results as like comprehensive sex education. But Mm -hmm. one can reasonably conclude that telling kids don't do drugs ever, you will die, is not an effective approach. Found again, time and time. I mean, there was the thing I said earlier about the... Again, I think this is a real memory. It's just, it sounds when I say it, it sounds too ridiculous to be. To me, it doesn't sound that damn ridiculous in the context of this damn episode. The kid who stabbed himself to death, like yeah. 
that just like it didn't make like there's the joke like oh I gotta try it didn't make me want to do it, but it didn't make me afraid I was just like I'm intrigued now mm-hmm. um, and then when you find out that you know someone doesn't die immediately upon taking shrooms you're like well what else was a lie I don't think Everything I would have known else. what if shrooms were when I was in like fourth grade until like yeah um <laughs> The U.S. General Accounting Office reported that, quote, there's little evidence so far that D.A.R.E. and other resistance training programs have reduced the usage of drugs by adolescents. This is pretty big in the late 90s, and (laughs) the response to it is so good. So D.A.R.E. is mostly staffed by ex-police people, and the executive director of D.A.R.E. America at this point is a man called Glenn L. Levant. He's a former deputy chief who has a poet's tongue. (laughs) (laughs) In response, <laughs> in response to the growing body of studies disproving Dare's efficacy, he says to USA Today, quote, scientists tell you that bumblebees can't fly, but we know better. Levant, <laughs> Levant says a proper national study would cost three to five million dollars and take seven years to finish. Don't know where he got that. Levant thinks critics are just jealous of Dare's success. Quote, we like apple pie, he says, but I guess you can always find someone who doesn't like apple pie. <laughs> He has to include the American symbolism into that. Yeah, oh, he, he again, is a patriot through and through. I love this man. Department sources say that, this is a different article now. This is from the LA Times in 1998. Department sources say that Dare suffers from its association with former chief Daryl Gates, because at this point he's a contentious figure, but ultimately respected by his death, who retired last year after a bruising battle. <laughs> Anyways, da 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 Faced with a shortage of money and police officers, units throughout the LAPD are being raided to put more officers in patrol assignments. So Dare starts losing funding once this uh, word evidence-based gets included in the Drug-Free Schools Act, which is in the late 90s, which Dare is not evidence-based. <laughs> <laughs> and so Dare loses a ton of funding in the late 90s. I think it was like 99. Uh, and... Again, faced with the shortage of money and police officers, units throughout the LAPD were being raided to put more officers in patrol assignments, a central promise of Mayor Richard Reardon's recent campaign. Given the political pressure to boost patrols, D.A.R.E. has just been one of many tempting targets. <laughs> this is Glenn uh, again. Quote, a lot of people look at the officers assigned to D.A.R.E. and say, gee, I sure could use those officers in radio cars. I call those people, I call those people Neanderthals. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I love this guy. He's so funny. <laughs> in a pretty comprehensive set of interviews conducted by Tinley Park Southton Star in Illinois, a bunch of D.A.R.E. officers and administrators defend the program from its criticism in like the late 90s. Brian Gale- uh, Galski, a Chicago Ridge D.A.R.E. officer and a detective in the police department's juvenile division, stressed the high school part of the program. They really wanted to expand it and go into high schools because it kept being proven to be ineffective for that... middle schoolers. It did not work. I was going to say like it, it had no, zero effect and positive or negative mm-hmm. for like elementary in in high school i was so far down my own trip that would have mm-hmm. that would have pushed me in the exact opposite direction <laughs> i feel and here's what brian galski the dare officer thinks the high school program should be quote the high school program he said should include trips to the morgue to, <laughs> see, <laughs> to see people who have died from heroin overdoses or visits to emergency rooms you want to take a class of gawking 14-year-olds to the morgue to go disrespect every single body that's the in there? The goths are going to enjoy it. Yeah. Oh, the goths would love it. Oh, yeah. my God. If I was goth. <laughs> and then, of course, like, I remember being, like, taken, like, like to 
I don't know. There is not one good 14-year-old in this planet. <laughs> They're all making horrible jokes at mm-hmm. inappropriate times. Mm-hmm. It would not have... Re- yeah. I don't think it would have the amount of respect that he yeah. was going for. Quote, Carmelita Wagner, director of the prevention programs for the Cook County Sheriff's Police, said that researchers can easily manipulate statistics. So she doesn't believe any of these things are coming out. Quote, I don't place a whole lot of weight on surveys because people mold them to be whatever they want them to be. You can go to LA or Chicago and get the numbers you're looking for. I don't listen too closely unless I conduct the survey myself. And then the reporter keeps going on. However, Wagner has said she's never evaluated her own DARE programs. <laughs> so she would only believe it if she surveyed it, but has never surveyed it. <laughs> only DARE America, the national organization, is allowed to evaluate DARE and then provides guidance to local police departments. Uh, and <laughs> so, again, this loses a ton of funding in the late 90s. By the early 2000s, it is still alive and kicking uh their form 990 said that they were hemorrhaging money by the (laughs) early 2000s they had lost like a million dollars in assets in 2001 this is where my printer stopped working so i have to get my computer out (laughs) look at my computer i don't know i must have run out of ink or something oh yeah there it is so yeah uh, I also want to mention the pencil thing. In 1998, Dare released a line of pencils that were marked too cool to do drugs, but as you sharpened it, it said cool I've to seen do those. drugs. Yeah. So I knew about that. What I didn't know was that in addition to recalling the pencils, they put out another line of pencils that just had that phrase backwards. <laughs> so the pencil read, drugs do cool to... Wait, drugs do too cool too. What? <laughs> Which doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> Especially if you write out a pencil. You're supposed to be literate when you <laughs> learn how to wield a pencil. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I wanted this Dare episode on Busted Business Bureau because it's interesting, the connection between uh, government funding, this nonprofit, and public education. Mm-hmm. I think the ties that bind it are very interesting. The main business model, again, is siphoning off government money from people who want to get reelected by preying on the fears of their constituents and by promising them the solution, which is dare, which is just based on vibes, which is jank. <laughs> In 2009... This is amid so many budget cuts. Dare is down to like a $3 million organization now. It is not big. Oh, shit, okay. Yeah, they still have uniformed officers at schools. Most of the funding, though, comes from fundraising. Uh, It no longer comes from grants or state assistance. Uh, This is... Uh, my printer cut off the quote, but it's, <laughs> quote, well, the, well, both the Harrison County Sheriff's Department and the Marshall Police Department have in the D.A.R.E. program is up to each individual entity to obtain the finances to keep the program going. Quote, I think a lot of people think that when they make a donation to the D.A.R.E. program, it all goes to the same place, Palmer said. Not so. We each have to come up with the money to purchase workbooks, T-shirts, and other educational materials. So kind of like teachers. Kind of like teachers. Isn't that crazy, yeah. dude? Isn't it crazy what happens when you're uh, not funded by the state? So yeah, anyways, private fundraising is how most D.A.R.E. franchises can continue to exist today. And in 2009, D.A.R.E. adopted the Keeping It Real curriculum. (laughs) This is supposed to be evidence-based rather than, this is all quoted from Wikipedia, sorry. (laughs) Rather than solely focusing on the perils of alcohol and other drugs, Keeping It Real developed a 10-lesson curriculum that included aspects of European-American, Mexican-American, and African-American culture integrated with culturally-based narration and performance. Which I can only imagine, given its history, is very sensitive. Yeah, I, I imagine <laughs> they, they're walking like a fine line and they just pull it off. Oh, they, they I, pull it off. They pull it off and everybody yeah. is impressed. <laughs> the program was developed by Penn State researchers who evaluated, who evaluated its effectiveness, though critics contend the program does not implement a long-term evaluation system. In 2013, the Substance Abuse Mental Health Service Administration ranked its readiness for dissemination 1.5 out of 4. <laughs> 
<laughs> Two randomized field control trials showed that the effectiveness of the multicultural keeping it real for reducing substance use across grade levels. Uh, uh, they, quote, evaluated onset drug use across and within ethnic groups for the ideal time to intervene, finding, quote, a double dose of intervention in elementary middle school was no more effective than just middle school or intervention alone. So the fact that they're doing it in elementary middle school doesn't matter. Following the passing of the Washington Initiative 502 that legalized cannabis consumption in Washington state, the D.A.R.E. program changed in the state to remove cannabis messages from the year five curriculum, arguing that, quote, so... They absolutely took it out because weed was legal now. Mm -hmm. But the reason they said they took it out was, quote, research has found that teaching children about drugs, which they've never heard of or have no understanding of, may stimulate their interest or curiosity about the substance. Mm -hmm. Which I think is interesting because I think you mentioned that before, right? You mentioned that you had... Uh, I think, as I said before, like, it, I, I don't think... Like, I've heard people say, like, oh, like, dare to do drugs and, like, I got, like it dared me to, like, really get into... Like, for me, I didn't give a shit. Mm -hmm. But, like, I don't think I heard about shrooms until dare, though. <laughs> <laughs> Sliv. <laughs> and this episode, I guess it was not really building to a climax. It was more building to a sad, disappointing ending, which is that there still exists. There still has uh, conferences to stay <laughs> drug free. You could have gone to the online still doing Zoom the, uh, conference. The cultural. They're still doing. Oh, the, that's their main programming now is keeping it real, which is very Hell yeah. sensitive and nuanced approaches to drugs. 21st and century, baby. And part of what I find so unappealing about D.A.R.E. is that while it's fun to sit here and poo poo on police officers and how bad they are at educating, it's very true in the sense that they don't take into context any of the community around them. They don't uh, change the curriculum for any sort of set of circumstances or situations. <laughs> cops being cops. Cops being cops. And it's by cops for cops and it doesn't work, which I guess one could say about much of policing. <laughs> and it boggles my mind which I think I have not emphasized enough in this episode, it boggles my mind that this can be a multi-million dollar program that has so much cultural relevance and gravitas, despite, again, not being effective. <laughs> I feel like I could create a much more effective D.A.R.E. program. Slay. Like, do it. Um, <laughs> don't drink or do drugs until like at least 16 or 17. <laughs> I'm um, loving this. Don't drink in the mornings. That's, <laughs> that's what really led me astray. <laughs> Smoking weed is cool, but if you do it every day, you will get panic attacks. Um, and also cool. you will get, like, it's not like, it's not the worst. You'll get bored and your friends will make fun of you behind your back. Um, um, fair. If you were in some sort of sexy uniform, too. Yeah. <laughs> not a police officer uniform, but you gotta, you know, wear something to dazzle. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's like, call your parents if you need to be picking up for them. Like. That's a lot of very helpful drug education, and most people get it from peers. Uh, I mean, a lot of people do drugs wrong, but I'm saying like uh, comprehensive, nuanced, real depictions of drugs are so much more effective. Do you want to know, I'm just remembering this, and I want to know Absolutely. how, I, I mean, I learned about drugs because I started doing drugs when I was like 13, sure. and like I was hanging out with people who gave me advice. Mm. I did air quotes there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I remember at my first party I went to, I was like super drunk and like there's this one kid who was like, I gotta drive home, I gotta see my parents. Like I'm eating like five pieces of bread. It's gonna sober you up just like that. Yeah. And I believe, I drove drunk all the time. I'm not proud of it. You shouldn't, do not fucking drive drunk. I was dumb. 
Um, I would just fucking eat. I also heard that if you suck on coins, it will take the alcohol out of your breath or whatever. I sucked on so many fucking coins when I was like 16 years (laughs) old. Clown, clown. I just got the worst fucking advice from people who are not doing well in life. Yeah. Um, That's crazy. Fucking yeah. Which... I think things could have gone a lot better had there been comprehensive education. And if we just, if we lived in a better place. <laughs> well, if you want to hear my advice. Uh, yeah. So as I said before, I'm sober now and I ha- had a problem with drugs and alcohol. Um, I'm so proud of you. Sorry. Thank you. Okay. Um, so yeah, it was, it was fun at the beginning, really bad at the end. But like, honestly, uh, getting addicted to drugs and getting sober, if you can handle it, it's pretty fucking dope. I, <laughs> recommend, I recommend addiction. Your life gets pretty good afterwards. <laughs> So you're saying you have like the lowest of lows and now you're like, man. Man, this, this is pretty dope. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that. You get to you. go to meetings. People are like, do you want a free coffee and cigarette? Don't do cigarettes probably. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do cigarettes probably. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm obsessed. <laughs> Yeah, that's that. I, you saw I ran out of fucking papers over here, and I ran out of shit to say. So, that what excellent advice, and what a great takeaway. What do you think about Dare after um, hearing this information? Yeah, my my opinion still hasn't changed. Like, I don't give a shit about. It. Like, it's fine. It's I mean, it's not waste this money. I don't care. It doesn't affect my life. Like, <laughs> I don't care. I I wish they'd give that money to teachers. Yeah, um, that's what I, think I, too. I wish there would be. Uh, better education. I don't think that's going to happen, so I don't. <laughs> they can fuck off. <laughs> they can fuck off. And it's created by the most evil man uh, who's ever existed. So oh, if you yeah. want to do some research on Daryl Gates, I That's really surprising recommend. that Daryl was created by like a racist, homophobic, transphobic cop. cop. Yeah. yeah. A, a, a cop who also invented SWAT and <laughs> invented a terrible video game. I'm su- I was actually really surprised by that because like, I don't... I mean, I... That was in 94, you said the 94, video game? Yeah. Like, I mean, now it's it, like it's much more available for people to make their own video games. And really, mm-hmm. I didn't know how like widespread that was. Or if he, It was he, a pretty big game. It got solid reviews, but a lot of people were like, why do the characters talk like that? <laughs> or why is that what the game is? Yeah. <laughs> so I, there's a whole playthrough on YouTube that's four hours long, and I... <laughs> I've watched a lot of it. Please send it to me after this. <laughs> I will. <laughs> watched way too much of it. It's like one of those things you can't look away. Yeah. Like, it's a train wreck that keeps coming and coming, and it's I, so good. I did just watch uh, a video of, uh, what was it? It was, uh, fuck, what was it? <laughs> dead air. <laughs> it's going to be dead air for five minutes. I, like, well, uh, I did have a radio show, and one time I had dead air for a minute without knowing about it. <laughs> Because I thought the song was playing. You are a prolific podcaster. I am. But um, I was like uh, a guy who like teaches guys how to get girls video game. Uh-huh. And like you have to pick quotations and everything. <gasps> oh, God. It was. We'll do an episode on that. <laughs> so keep that to yourself. Okay, we'll do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you want to plug anything on the way out? Um, I released an album, my fourth oh, album. It's so good. And uh, it's it's good. I like it. I like it. It's, uh, it's yeah. Listen, Matt McLean, M C L E A N. Uh, my address is not going to say that. Um, <laughs> yeah, listen to my music. Listen, you're already listening to this podcast, so keep yeah. on listening to this podcast. Oh my god, you can do it on the same app. You can listen to Matt's songs after you listen to this podcast. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
Great. Okay. Well, uh, thank you for being on this podcast. Uh, obviously, I cherish you, and you are very dear to my heart, and I'm so happy to have you here. I cherish you, too, and thank you for having oh, me. Oh, we went to Sultan's Market for brunch today, too. I forgot to mention that at the beginning. <laughs> 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 it was beautiful. It was good. All right. Uh, well, d- deuces. I'll, I'll see you all next time, I guess. Peace. Uh, peace. Oh, wait, shit. Follow me on social media at Busted Biz Bureau. <laughs> <laughs> ah! Oh, no. <laughs> Everything has fallen. <laughs> 